Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey guys, this is Erica Ramirez, senior editor at Billboard, and with me I have a couple guys, friends from Complex and Grantland, so I'm going to let you guys kind of introduce yourselves. Hey, uh, it's Rembert Brown, a staff writer at Grantland.com. Brandon Jinx Jenkins, a news anchor at Complex News. Uh, Sean Stout, I'm a video director at Complex News. Damian Scott, senior editor at Complex. All right, so I wanted you guys to kind of talk about your experiences of going down to Ferguson. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little hesitant to even ask all of you, although I've harassed you all week about how you guys were doing while down there. Um, just because, and I told this to Rem, like I don't want anyone reliving something that they don't want to relive or actually still living through. So, and it's still very fresh and it's probably going to stay fresh in your guys' minds. Um, but I still feel like I can't go down there so I'm a little bit powerless I feel and the only thing that I could do is bring awareness to it and keep the discussion going so that being said before you guys even went down there what was like what were you hoping to find when you went down there yeah I guess um I got there earlier and left earlier um and the setting in which I went was very different than the setting in which y'all went because there wasn't much media down there which kind of was the reason that I wanted to go. I wasn't getting the story that I wanted to from just like Twitter and the pieces that were being written because I felt like there were a lot, there were like a handful of photographers that were kind of just taking pictures of the bad stuff that they saw and then a couple writers and of the writers, like not many writers that uh, were minorities were black folk and I, that that kind of had me uneasy because I, I had a feeling there were going to be some things that happened and I wanted multiple perspectives to tell the stories that were being, that were happening. So that's, that's kind of why I went. And I, you know, I understand very much what you are saying about like not wanting to relive stuff because there was a lot of stuff that I still can't believe I saw just doesn't feel real um yeah um and you know writing about it I thought was going to be therapeutic but actually wasn't it actually made me relive it again because you have to kind of (laughs) rehash what you just saw but at the same time I'm still glad that I went because I think there are stories that I told either via what I was tweeting or what I wrote about that might not have been told had I not been down there and I think that's the case for a lot of people um 
that went down there that I that I kept in contact with, like these two, like a handful of others that were there that were, you know, day in, day out, having to kind of report back in a very unique way. And like, I feel like those of us that weren't here were very appreciative that people were continuing to go down there, even as it got worse, as it got worse. Um, I think where we kind of jumped in was sort of around the point where um, Rim was actually making his way home. Um, and I saw all his tweets. Um, I knew that he was working on a piece as well, but just kind of seeing his story and feeling connected to someone that was down there, you know, it made it that someone that was less distant, it's like I actually know him, you know. Um, it puts it in a whole different light. And I know that a lot of people that don't know people down there, um, they're probably missing that, that synapse, they're probably missing that connection. Um, and we were having conversations, me, Sean, our producer Cornell, about, you know, we should go down and cover something like this. Um, it's a little bit more serious than what we normally cover, um, but we thought it was something that was important. And then um, I believe Damien was having his own conversations, um, expressing interest in it, that he was going to go regardless. Um, so then at some point, I think all our our desires kind of matched up, and we just got a, a call in, in the office that said, hey, do you guys, you know, would you guys like to go down there? And we all just kind of looked around the room, everybody said yes. And we're like, all right, let's do it. And then I think literally within like five hours, we kind of boarded a plane yeah. and went down there. And uh, I think literally the first thing we read was I'd hit you up and you were saying that you were working on your joint. And then as soon as we landed, you had published it pretty late. Yeah. And that was like one of the first pieces we read kind of as we arrived. Sean, what were you like hoping to find or thinking about before while why heading down there? I guess kind of to what Rembert was saying, we had spent that whole first morning we went down there on Thursday discussing the line of events leading up to it and we had a lot of questions ourselves so when we got posed the opportunity to go down there I think everyone in the room it was kind of unanimously a yes to go see for ourselves yeah I'm, I'm not sure if we I had seen what was being put on I guess what everyone's calling mainstream or old media mm -hmm. and then I saw a lot of what Rimber was tweeting and then a lot of the other people that you started seeing get caught up in the same Ferguson hashtag and it seemed totally different from what I was seeing on broadcast television. And that alone was pretty alarming. Yeah. Um, and one of the first thoughts that came into my head was, well, if this is what's happening here, what happens overseas? And that was one of the discussions that we had. And we were saying, you know, we, we wish we could see it. Um, and when we got down there, you know, I guess I was expecting to see a continuation of what I'd seen, um, what I saw your Twitter look like. And we got down there. It wasn't like that. It was it was popping. Like it was fun. It was a party in the street. We went right to Ferguson. I mean, right to West uh, Canfield and Florissant. And um, people were celebrating. It was a, literally it picked up where Rembert's piece left off. It was their first night of peace. So people were in the streets. They were drinking, having fun. A lot of music playing. Um, we were saying earlier, tons of Migos and Young Thug. Um, <laughs> it it was a fun time, and we were like, okay, you know, people were sharing their stories about what had happened and. In my mind, I thought that things were going to start to taper off. I thought that we had kind of um, caught a different story. You know, we were going to just really deal with the people and what they had gone through. We weren't aware that we were going to or the people were going to continue to go through even more, um, I guess, a continuation of what Rembrandt had seen. Because when we got down there, it was peaceful. It was, you know, it was jovial, I guess is a good word. I think that, uh, yeah, I was thinking about going down. I had a conversation uh, with some friends at first. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, no, it was Tuesday, I had a conversation with some friends uh, about going down there just as a group. But my friends were like, you're fucking crazy. Let's just see what happens. Someone told me Rem was down there or went down there. I was like, okay, well, let me see what happens. I don't know, I just hopped on the phone with everybody just to take the temperature of my friends and see what, see what everyone was thinking. And then I had a conversation with people at 
uh, at Complex, just telling them that I wanted to go down there. And if I don't cover it, someone should cover it for our readers. And they were nice enough to send four people down there to cover it. And it was, it was good. So the reason I harassed all of you guys was, like you said, Brandon, that you we only saw kind of what was behind everything that was going on. Like the cameras were always either to the right of the police or behind them. So it's not like we really did get to see what was actually going on on the other side, which is the most important side. What was something that you guys saw that we may have missed that we should know? Well, one of the things that happens, and I think increasingly happened as each day went on and like more media um, got down there is that the line between the media and like the protesters became a much clearer line. It was like, you're here as a media member or you're just in Ferguson. And I think, I think there's a lot of good and a lot of bad that came from just like the entire media world going down to Ferguson. I think the good that happened is that, you know, when you have like news crews down there, there's a lot of footage that it becomes real. Like when you have like the live stream and you have like, you know, Jake Tapper, someone like walking down the streets and like seeing stuff in real time and live television like that, that, that makes things like very like alarming and clear. You can really see how, you know, tense the situation is. I think the word like, like tense like the nighttime was just tense. Like that is like the best way to describe it. it wasn't like I, I I hate it when it's just like nighttime was like violent. It was just it was like this build up to who knows what's gonna happen. And like you always felt like something was gonna happen. You just didn't know how it was gonna you know kind of explode. You know or like when. Um, but I think the 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 hardest thing one of my takeaways was like imagining if a, like a police force that you know, looked more like soldiers and police and tanks and everything, like, rolled up in my neighborhood, what my reaction would be. And when that started happening, like, before it became, like, a thing, like, this is going to happen every day, people just seemed, like, insulted. How dare you all just, like, come in our neighborhood like this and kind of demand us to leave our own neighborhood? We aren't actually doing anything wrong right now like we're loud and like we are like angry but we're still in our neighborhood and we like don't want to like be violent in our own neighborhood because this is our neighborhood there there was just like this feeling i i just i i could i could like see it on people i could hear it when they were just like shouting i could it was just in the air of just like i can't believe they would treat us like this in our own neighborhood it wasn't like this was happening elsewhere like i remember this lady talking about how she couldn't go back to her house because she had asthma and like the smoke and stuff was just surrounding her house and she like she, she's like i don't know what to do right now like you know it's like a 67 year old lady she's like i can't go back to my house right now so i'm just going to like hang out at this convenience store for a couple hours until like the smoke goes away there were a lot of things and i think i think being down there, you saw there are a lot of things that like weren't necessarily like the sexiest of stories or like they weren't like that picture of someone throwing back. You don't ever want to say like you had to be down there to really understand it. But there was a lot of stuff where it's like it's hard to explain the level of tension that was happening the entire time, especially at night. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. It was tangible. I mean, at one point we were talking about you could feel it like something was going to happen. It's the same. It, I'd hate to equate it to something so... uh minuscule but it's that same feeling of being in the lunchroom and it's that vibe of like you know some shit's about to go down except it wasn't the lunchroom it was you know a missouri street and it's not like kids fighting it's like 
something legitimate, like people using weaponry that we've never even seen here. It is that vibe of, I, I thought the same thing. I got home late last night and I was driving down um, a main street in my neighborhood in Jersey. And I just kind of thought about what it would look like if those same vehicles were in my neighborhood. And I guess I, I wasn't even really thinking about how my neighborhood would react, but just how insane that would look if, if, it, were on my, if it were on my street and how I was just really visiting this other place, you know, even for that small amount of time. But um, I think the thing that I took away from it, the thing I, I didn't expect to see and I did see, and I feel really bad about it, I looked at it as they, as them. The news kind of really presented it as these just polar opposites. It's the police and then it's the citizens and everyone's unruly. And you get down there and it's not like that. It's a spectrum. You know, you get down and there's an extreme case on both sides. And that extreme case, I would definitely say, were the cops. I'd like to say I met that I would have liked to have met some spectrum that seemed reasonable on the cop side. I did towards the end, but the spectrum to me the really lied in the people where you saw a lot of good people. A lot of people that if you pass by them on the street, some people may have pigeonholed them, but they were good people expressing stuff that like that we express. One dude yelled at us from he yelled behind us. He's like, you know, I want to go on vacation. He's like, I work hard as hell, you know. <laughs> I wanna do I wanna do what they do. And he was talking about that other extreme. He was talking about that other side. And even when we were out there, we saw, you know, looting take place and we saw other residents prevent the looting. It's like you from the distance, you know, that the cops have or the distance that the news cameras have, you miss that. You you don't get a chance to see how many different people are out there, how many good people are out there. And I expected it to be very black and white. And when I got down there, it wasn't. It was many shades of gray. And that was something that immediately I thought, no one's talking about this. And that was the first thing. As soon as we, we landed, we kind of went down West Florissant. And that's the first thing we started talking to people and not just talking to whomever wanted to speak to us. Um, and a lot of people did, actually, and kind of getting their pictures. Some people wanted to just say, you know, fuck the cops, fuck 12. And some people were like, you know, we need cops. Um, people that were legitimately standing next to each other. So everyone has their own different approach and their different standpoint. But the one thing I got is that a lot of people wanted things to be different than they currently were. Just to add on to that real quick, because I think that brings up a really good point. An interesting aspect of... The people that lived in the neighborhood, you want to call them protesters, you want to call them citizens of Ferguson. Or one thing I, I feel like isn't talked about enough is this group of people does not have a, like, a leader. There's not like one person that is like making the call and everyone's like, yeah, let's go do that. Or like tonight we're going to go do that. There isn't like a so there's not like a political person. There's not like a religious leader. There's not like one soul. His ability to like gain any consensus it's, it's like that's like a really interesting difference there's been a lot of like comparison to what's happening now and like you know visually it brings back like images of 60s and stuff like that a, a big a big difference is that in movements like you had factions but at least factions had very clear leadership like jinx was saying it's like you would see or hear conversations happening that were often opposite you'd hear like hands up don't shoot and then you'd hear like shoot back like right next to each other and a couple times i heard like a third party being like hey like we're all entitled to our own opinion you know people seem to realize like they were all on the same team, even if they had different ideas of what they should do next. It wasn't like, y'all want to be nonviolent? Like, we all have different opinions and different ideas because this is affecting us differently. At the end of the day, we all want these police to leave. We want justice. We want 
this we want this guy's name or we want this guy brought to like we we all want these common things we just like there's there's but under all that there's still like this kind of feeling of helplessness of like we we just like don't know i i thought it was interesting to see protesters and civilians to your point kind of gravitate towards community members whoever wanted to step up and kind of take charge people would instantly gravitate towards them like we saw some nights there were just random people out there with a megaphone telling people to stay on the sidewalk while they're walking and people would people would listen we saw multiple community organizers step up break up fights keep keep people back from the police when they were when the situation was getting tense um i think one solid unified leader would do a lot of good in this sort of situation you know i thought about how people were criticizing uh j cole nelly and whoever else made an appearance but you know what i saw j cole as soon as he landed and um people gravitated towards him if anything you know they don't have a political leader the governor never even showed up you know obama first statement he made was you know written he never he didn't hop on television until days later um, you know, Jake Cole showed up, Nelly showed up, there were crowds around them at the very least, even if they were just attracted to the site. Yeah, they, they were booing Nelly. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming because of that uh, iced out Cheerios box, he, I mean, a Cheerios box Aww. he had. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's like, sure, they're, they're, uh, there's one lady who we met in a parking lot one day. I forget her name. Um, Cynthia. Cynthia, I forget, I forget her last name. She's a host of, 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 a, like, of a local radio show. And she was like, who do you guys think is a leader here? Like, do you guys believe that there's a leader? I think these kids need a leader. And it was like, nah, there is no leader. There's people there who people gravitate to when they walk through. On In the early days when Captain Johnson first walked through, people would quiet down and the crowds would come to a, a not standstill, but they would uh, calm themselves and uh, people would look at him with reverence, like, oh, my God, he's here. Like, everything's going to be okay. That was the feeling that you got. It was kind of kinetic. When you saw him the first couple of days, it was like, uh, Captain Johnson's here. He was the uh, captain of the uh, Missouri State Highway Patrol. When, when when he showed up, everyone was like, oh, my God, things are going to finally get better. Like, they gave us, a, like, a real one. And then that turned out to be uh, not exactly all the way true. But when the first days, it was very... Um, it was very hopeful. And then to Sean's point, there were, there were some people out there who were trying to be leaders of the various masses of people. Like there was Malik Shabazz who was out there. And, uh, there was one day where they, uh, I forget w- which night it was, but a police truck unprovoked just drove up. A lot of cops hopped out, aimed the guns towards the press for some reason and the people on the sidewalk. And I don't know where Malik Shabazz came out. And he was, and he disappeared. Out of, he, he was like a superhero. He just came out of nowhere with a bullhorn. It was like, Johnson, get your boys. Get your boys, Johnson. Get these boys out of here. What are you doing? What are they doing? And the cops just hopped back on the truck. They turned around and drove away. And on other nights, you know, he would put his hand on people's shoulders and be like, you know, stop this, brother. Like, what are you doing? Um, there was one lady named uh, Reverend Dina Tapman who was trying to, you know, keep the younger people in line and keep them from, you know, doing things that might result in them getting arrested or injured or even killed. There's one kid who was just so determined and gung ho to go against the entire police force by himself. He was really about it. You know, he has his head tied up in a t shirt and he was just you couldn't tell him any differently and, and Reverend Tappen went to him and was like, you know, would you 
be able to sleep at night if you do something stupid and the cops respond and they happen to kill a kid because there were still kids outside. You happen to kill a kid or they happen to kill uh, a woman from this community. How can you sleep at night? And he basically said it, not in the exact words, but there was a common refrain that was said throughout the time I was there, which was like, you know, if you're scared, you go home. Like, if you don't want to do this, go home. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, like, that's fucked up. Like, why would he say that? But going back to Rembrandt's point, one thing I took away from there was, you know, I imagine this happening where I'm from. And it's easy to go down there and be like, man, these kids really need to just protest peacefully. Like, it's fucked up that they're trying to rile up the cops or, like, some kids are, like, really young and trying to rile up the cops. But, you know, if you sprayed tear gas at my mom and my brother and my brother and my, you know, and my family and my niece got tear gas, you know, I would be liable to do something that would probably get me injured or arrested or killed. Like someone would have to like put their hand on your shoulder and like give you that. Someone speech. would have to punch me in the face and knock me out. Like if, it's, you, if you tear gas my mama. You feel you feel that personal element. Just to go back to Leech Bass, I don't know what he has. I saw him put his hand on people and they they went dormant. I don't know what he was doing, but it was real. But um, we noticed a difference when those leaders were absent and as they dwindled away, and that typically came about the late hours. I mean, older people. They just go to bed earlier, you know, legitimately. And as we got to the later nights and peace was, uh, I could say, I guess, peace remained into the later hours. It was be, it was the presence of those leaders. When they were absent, that's when everyone came with their own agendas. That's when people with legitimate negative agendas were coming around and influencing people. It's, I hate to say it was as simple as night and day, but different people operate at night and different people operate during the day and you could feel it and that's when you started to see the crowd turn and see the tension you started to feel the tension it became more tangible and the cops changes as well well that was like that first uh the first night we were there when the cops moved in right before the energy just got super weird people started moving different in the streets and then i think we looked at each other i don't know who pointed it out but someone was like yeah look around someone one of our crew looked around and was like, guys, look around. There's no old people out here. It's all kids. Not kids, like just, you know, 18 to 25, but s certainly no, no one to calm them down, no leaders. And every night we'd see around that time when stuff would kind of pop off, tensions between the police. The only older person that I witnessed out there was Antonio French, and he just seemed completely frustrated with the entire situation but he kept on as well you yeah. know but he it was uh, yeah. it got to the point where he was trying to inspire other people to help inspire and it was um you could tell it was difficult i mean it got to the point where by the end of our trip you know i think what even changed in the media um when we started to kind of be treated the same as the protesters or let's say even the negative element not just the protesters just we started being treated more like civilians i think the narrative in a lot of media changed i think people that had thought it was distant were like, whoa, this is real and this could be me. I think people that went down there and assumed that they were just going to snap a couple pictures and then got tear gassed started feeling the results of it. And, and I'm not going to say that their narrative was biased, but I think things changed at that point. I saw even CNN, who had been choosing one direction with their coverage, their coverage changed. They, I mean, even their anchor switched. Don Lemon didn't change. Don Lemon stayed, no, he, stayed the course. He, yeah. yeah, Don Lemon stayed the course. He's like, I'm going with this story. And, and, until Talib, until Talib stepped to him, and then he was, you know, he had the the brother handshake and what do you say, get lost in the sauce or something like that. I don't know. You know, I, I get it. I, I, would, I get it. I would point out too, talking about tension, that when 
the nighttime came, you would see a lot of the older people leave, but then you would also see the police that were there get a lot more antagonizing, moving in, like Damien said, driving the truck into the middle of the street unprovoked and hopping out and pointing guns at everyone. And How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And they, the police move differently at night, as did the crowd. And I don't, I can't say factually if the crowd's actions were reactionary to the police, but in some of the later days that we were there, it definitely seemed that way. And even the way that the community organizers were trying to. Well, you know what? During the daytime, it was like, yo, it's all of us. During the during the nighttime, it was, okay, we have to organize against them. Even the media changed. I mean, there was media that we could not see during the day. It was, we'd be walking the streets. I mean, we traversed most of the neighborhood, and it's not a big area. You know, we walked back and forth. We went to Canfield. We uh, were up West Florissant, Ferguson. Um, and the media, a lot of media was absent. And then nighttime came around, and I think someone called it on, on the Internet, they called it riot porn. And that, that again, changes things. It's, this, it's not just one side. It's this it's this relationship between everybody. It's this ecosphere. And as you introduce elements or remove those elements, um, you know, the, the tone shifts. And I noticed how things shifted, even with the media there. I, you know, and I, I do think that that was a, a very, to me, it was an obvious thing that was happening, but I can understand how that could, that could get lost. Um, One of the one of the things that I was noticing because I, I when I was there and when I was gone, I could feel this thing happening where it was like with every passing day, it felt like the daytime was just like a gear up for the nighttime. It's like well, nothing's popping off during the day, so like, why would I be out and about? Let me just use let me just use the day to like, you know, file and. Just like get ready for like another adrenaline filled night in you know in Ferguson, and you know one thing I will say is like being down there 
and you know a, a lot of comment a lot a lot of feedback that I got um had to do with like this idea of like you can not everyone down there can just kind of like blend in in Ferguson and weirdly enough that's a harder thing to do in this setting during the day than at night, you know, just like walking around random neighborhoods in Ferguson during the daytime, you know, if you're just like random, you know, white journalist from place X by yourself, like that, that isn't a, a a lot of people are just going to like kind of be caught off guard by that because it's, it almost from what from some conversations I had when I was down there from people that lived down there, it was like it it, it felt like pe- people weren't sure why that person was here. Like you don't know like what the agenda is, blah blah blah. And not to say that like people shouldn't be you know worried about my agenda, but I was throwing up a lot fewer red flags, and I felt I also felt like very comfortable in that neighborhood as someone that like is very comfortable with you know all black neighborhoods just like part of my upbringing and it was like for me that was really clear when there were like non like like non like police nighttime stuff like there was like this church service that I went to with like the family and you know, Sharpton, a lot of the religious leaders, and, like, it was one of those, like, let's figure out what to do next. Like, like what's our plan of action? You know, like, you know, Black Panther, like, everyone was there. And that was, like, the first moment I noticed. That was, like, my second day. I was, like, I feel like, like, where's the media? Like, where is, like, there were, like, three media members that I that I recognized there at that, like, church service, I'd seen them at like four different, I'd seen like all this media, like camera crews, everything at, you know, press conferences at like, you know, all the little pop-up protests that were happening during the day. But then you have like a potentially like uncomfortable setting, which is like a church quasi revival with, you know, Sharpton and a lot of stuff and I was like I looked around I was like where did all the media go you know but then like three hours later when it started to pop up I was like oh there's the media again and that that was something that it just never sat with me right because I I wanted I wanted all parts of this whole thing told you know and I like the the same way the same way a lot of coverage about places like Detroit and Chicago it's like you know this idea of like ruin porn it's like let's like look at these images of like buildings burning like like falling down or like look at these images of like you know black kids in Chicago like killing each other it's like very often it's it's easy to skip over the things in the middle or like the things that <clears throat> aren't as attractive to talk about like community meetings and like you know just other things that I think fall through the cracks and I feel like those were happening early and which is why I was like glad when certain people I knew 
like these guys are like heading down because I was like those like those are those are holes that are going to be filled um, that I felt like could have easily just like gone completely glossed over and a lot of that stuff was happening during the day you know it's weird because um we were talking about that how we at some points we felt like we had the past I mean we got down there and some people had known us I guess just from our work and but then some people were just letting us rock I guess because of the way we dress or the way we approach people just our demeanor our age I'm not sure um but also as we became familiar with some people we started to feel a little more familiar in the area I mean at least at, at least we knew where we were walking to um, and as we started to meet people, you know, I, again, you know, I, at some points I was even surprised that even when we were encountering some of the people that were more angry or more, um, more visibly upset than others, or they used it in, I guess, in a more aggressive manner, um, they would still have totally subtle, digestible conversations with us. And that's when we kind of tuned in. We ran across this kid, um, Jarris, who's, you know, he's become like our guy out there. And, um, you know, he made this great comment to us. He said, you know, I have to go to work in the morning. And he was out ready to, you know, to protest at night. Um, he said during the morning he felt like Bruce Wayne. At night he felt like Batman. You know, and this is like, it. it's a testament to his age. It's a testament to how he really feels about the situation and how he's coping with it. But that's like, you're missing that kid. And if you watch some of our footage, you know, he's there, you know, ready to throw a canister back. He's there in the cloud. And if you don't actually talk to him or finish his story, the media would have positioned him as, you know, uh, an uncontrolled black youth. But we're when we tried to meet up with him, he was coming from, what was it, like, play rehearsal. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is nuts. You know, you're going to work, then you're going to play rehearsal. Then at night, you're telling us that you're ready to go back out. That's, yeah. that's that, you know, there are humans on the other side of these stories, and it made me really digest the way we've been presented other stories, you know, um, the way people have looked at Chicago, what's going on overseas. It completes the humanity, and that, that alone should make you second guess what you're seeing or how you're looking at these people or how you're approaching these people. They're individual. I noticed too, um, as far as the holes go in the media, the protesters and people that live down there are very aware where the holes are and they want the stories told. We would walk down the street and pe people would come up to us and want to talk to us and we were getting people telling us thank you on the street for just overhearing interviews that we were doing being like yo thank you guys for telling the real story or the whole story or what's actually going on they're very aware of it in the same instance though they were also you know they'd be right next to cnn and they i mean you know they're setting up their their broadcast in the middle of people and people would yell back to don lemon you know it was they they perfected that conversation so well that they know when someone's not relaying their story and at some point people were hesitant to speak to us until we got verified either through someone that was nearby or just our presence. Right. Um, to Rem's point, I don't think anyone spoke of the of churches in news until it supposedly got raided. You know what I mean? By police. Like, so that's like a perfect example. All those stories had to come through like social media, which was crazy. Because like Ferguson isn't even a hashtag that comes up anymore. Like you can't, it's not trending, you know, because they have like a formula to all their all their hashtags, which is also crazy. We all depended on social media to get like the other stories. But you guys brought up um, Jake Cole and Nelly. Do you guys feel like artists are obligated, should be obligated to speak on this and not? My problem is that it's only black artists. I um, We posed that question to Jake Cole and I think he gave the answer the best way. You know, he was like, it's, it's, 
it's the same as we approach the people out there. It's individual basis. There's no blanket treatment. It's like, you know, I felt this way because I feel this way. Um, that's the reason I'm down here. He's like, you know, if you don't feel that way, I hope that you do. And if you do feel that way, I hope you feel inspired to do something about it. You know, it's even, and everyone's not going to hop on the plane. You know, everyone's not going to show up, but sometimes it's just acknowledgement. There was a lot of conversation about what people started calling Twitter activism. Um, what I realized is, you know, as long as it's being discussed, even if your viewpoint um, betrays someone else's viewpoint, it's it widens the spectrum of understanding. It lets people know that, you know, there are people that disagree. It lets you at least frame your environment, who you're around. You know, you could be next to a coworker, you know, that feels a very extreme, extremely different way than you do. It's important to know who you're dealing with. It's important to know your your environment that you're living in every day. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I struggle with the the idea of like an obligation because I think sometimes with obligations, people just <clears throat> force things just to get it out of the way. It's like, yeah, it's just like you know, if every rapper just looks, was it's like, you know, stand with Ferguson, like, and you know, it's like I don't. <clears throat> That's good, uh, like, probably better than nothing, but, you know, if if artist X, like, you know, genuinely has no opinion about it, then, like, Why would you, even want to know? you know, I was just like, you know, like, I remember there was, I forget her name, I think her name was Sylvia something, she was, like, one of the committee women in St. Louis and she was like one of the one of the main um <clears throat> political people that was kind of out and about every night and she, I think on like the third or fourth night she like kind of had this like five or six tweet spree which was basically like <clears throat> if you're not here to help or like tell the real story like like we really don't need you here you know it's like we like, like we don't like we don't need any like anyone holding us back, like dragging us down. Like we don't need anyone, like just out here to to see. You know, like we need people, like talking to the right people, or actually like doing things to help advance this issue. And like, if you don't fall in one of those two camps, like, thanks but no thanks. She was like, if you haven't been out here at night yet this might not be the place for you to come now. Like, you know, because she was like, we, we don't, like, we don't want anyone out here to, that's, like, not ready for this. She was like, this is real shit. Like, she, that, that's what she was saying. And that, like, really struck a chord with me because I was like, that, you know, you think in these situations what you want is numbers. But sometimes the wrong numbers, like, aren't what you want it's like you'd sometimes rather have a dedicated like core few than like you know thousands and thousands of thousands of like you know semi-invested people you know yeah I, I think that's where the chaos was starting and it's um you know to go back to we said specifically j cole you know we thought he left he did his interview um and he didn't want to do one you know but he was there amongst the people all day and then the next day we went out you know, we we returned to the scene um, to see the protesting again, to see what the demeanor was, how people were feeling after being out there during the day. I think we went to get something to eat, and we returned, and um, we were like, "Yo, you're still out here!" And you know, he was just marching with people. 
And then at that point, Nelly showed up and, you know, things went different for him. But, you know, he was marching amongst people. And I think that that was important. I think if it became a thing, it's the same as every artist getting on Twitter and saying the album's a classic. It's just a checkpoint that you're, it's just a checkpoint that you're reaching for this initiative. But it, it might not mean anything. And if people, I think it's important that people didn't make it, that a lot of artists didn't show up just out of a sense of obligation as opposed to like a true, like, passion, you know, as a, if I'm not here, I feel like I, I feel like the artists that showed up or some of the figures that showed up political, um, you know, I feel like they felt like if they would have felt less or not whole had they not been there. And so I don't think artists owe that to their fans. Um, I think they owe it to their person as it's the same as anything they do. I think they owe certain things to their individual person. And as a result, they just happen to have fans that will or won't align with that. What I will throw out, though, just, like, because I won't lie. Like, I, I, I am disappointed when people don't care. Like, I, it, it, it makes me someone that's, like, rich and famous and has success and doesn't care about the story, like, makes me much less interested in that person, like, on the whole. Um, and the, the thing about hip-hop that is tricky is that there's so much about hip-hop that is, like, very like self-referential to like where you came from and like the hood and like being authentic and like caring about, you know, like the folk from like, you know, back home and everything like that. And like, if there was a story that like kind of aligned with that, it's this, it's just like in every way possible, possible, this is like a hood tale. It's like, just like everyone just like trying to like trying to like survive and like trying to like you know like take back control of their neighborhood and trying to like feel like they like are worth something and like that like we ran a piece um one of my coworkers Amos Brushad like talked to Killer Mike yesterday and Killer Mike was talking about J Cole and he was like, like Cole's a, a black kid from North Carolina that like grew up on Outcasts. Like, I'm not surprised he's down here. Like, of course he cares about this stuff. And that made me also think about like why I care about this stuff. It's like you, you, if you, if you really care about you know, you know, kind of the like black folk just like pushing forward which is very much what part of the story is like of course this story is going to like cut at you deep and the fact that i think a lot of rappers that in other aspects of their rap claim that having kind of a like a silence across the board for the most part <clears throat> Um, does kind of sting a little bit because it's like, well, I'm not saying you have to go down there, but why not go down? I mean, you can get anywhere else in, you know, like three hours. Like, why not? Like, why wouldn't you go down there? You know, because speaking of leadership and like you were saying, like, if there is a mat, if if there is a, a generalization of a person that could make a lot of people 
like a group of conflicted people quiet down and just listen for a second, it's a handful of rappers. Like, I promise. Like, it is, like, like even if it's not all for the right reasons, like you were saying, like, there were some people like, you know, you want to take pictures with Cole, blah, blah, blah. At the but very like, least, they're not throwing, they're not looting at that point yeah. in time. And you're talking about, like, you know, at night, and you're talking about a lot of 18 to 25-year-olds just out, just, like, not knowing what to do with themselves, you know, for better or for worse, you know who they often listen to? Fucking rappers, you know? So, I like, agree. I think that's, you know, I don't think that a... If you are a celebrity or a rapper, you are obligated to participate um, in, in any kind of protest or lend your voice to anything. You, know, you truly don't believe that you she um, should not be a part of. But as Rembert said, it, it it does hurt. One of the comments that were made towards Nelly when he was there, uh, one guy was like, "You know, it's taking you a week to get here. Where have you been?" And he also said, when your sister was sick, it didn't take you any time to ask the city for help. And you hear that and you're like, damn, when you have an album to sell, you always rep your hood. When you have something to like gloat about, you always gloat to us. You know, you always come to us when you need something from us. But when, um, when we need something from you, it seems that you are not there. And not that, you know, you know, again, it's a, it's, it's, it's when a rapper needs to sell something, it is no one's obligated to buy what they're selling. But you would not be there without the people buying whatever it is you are selling. A lot of rappers are also making a lot of money off of, uh, as you know, as Ripper said, this this story, this you know, everlasting, ever changing black story. They make their money off of. And when this is another part of that story and they want to remain quiet, it stings a bit. It does. It hurts a bit. You know, and even if it's like people are like, oh, well, they just go down there and they just take photos and then they leave. It's like you should have seen the faces of people when they even just to hear someone being like, damn, I can't believe he came down here. That's crazy. Like someone actually hears us. You know, the, like the guy we met was named Jaris. He's never been on a plane before. He's never left the area ever. He's never left that area. So for some people to, and I'm sure he's not the only one, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are protesting who's, who've never left uh, Missouri, and that even that part of Missouri. And to see someone come down, it, it makes you feel as if someone heard you, someone who is deemed to be important heard you, and they are here for you, even if no one else seems to be here for you. That's a very powerful sentiment, I think. Oh, you were going to say something. Um, I mean, tacking to what Damien said, you know, um, I think in some ways I even felt a little jaded. I mean, just maybe it's just off my job or being in this area. You see people all the time, you know, you see people and it's cool to not approach them, you know. Um, and the amount of people that were like, wow, you came came down here. I mean, they were surprised certain outlets came down to their city and then they wanted everyone to, you know, I think Jairus again said it was valid. Hmm? That's how we met Jairus. Yeah, he was like, yo, Complex, I read you all the time, you know, and he was surprised to see these outlets, but he was he said something very honest to us, and again, it shocked me because here it's cool to not say it, but he was like, I, I felt validated. I felt like my voice was heard, and um, kind of tying to what Damien and Rembert said, you know, these rappers do make a lot, I mean, they're completely validated by this story. You know, you have rappers who are in a, another skill set that don't preach this story. You get um, people always move the Drakes to the side and Childish Gambinos to the side, because they maybe don't up, they don't play up these the story that you have some of your other rappers 
they that's their bread and butter that's their that's their story that's their their complete like that's their narrative i mean the, we often argue the legitimacy of their narrative and to come back you know again which rapper is going to be i mean i think young buck was the first one but which rappers which rapper is going to use that as his, his album art? Which rapper is going to use this storyline as a track or, you know, name his song, you know, Trayvon Martin, name his song Michael Brown. And, you know, we had a kid on the street who told us, um, you know, if if you don't believe it, don't come down here. Don't use our story. He's like, you know, it's wrong. If you're not going to come down here and help, don't use our story. Don't sell our story back to us. And you weren't even here to chip in. Right. And that's that's completely legitimate. I appreciate you guys coming through. And again, like I know I was hesitant to even ask. So I appreciate you guys all coming and saying what you said. And I feel like we all need to get drunk now. What else did you have to do, Nelly? What else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. How many grills do you need, Nelly? How many grills? Your song's in a Cheerios commercial. So he really got he really got booed? He got booed he got very booed. hard, yeah. He got booed. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.